Hi there. Hi. We're we're back listening to Chill Podcast, aren't we? Y- yes, I think. Yes. I don't know. I've had good. a full Avengers Infinity War cup of alcohol, mm. and mm. I took about four tries to type out Annette Curtis Glass's name just now, so... I'm, I think you're definitely chill. I'm a little chill. I am chill. So I'm back, lest you're chill? <laughs> I guess okay. so. Not, not chill. You're not chill yet. <laughs> I'm not chill yet. So what was in that Avengers cup? My new favorite alcohol that doesn't taste like alcohol, Parrot Bay's Pineapple Rum. Nice, I've had that. It's so good, good time. at not tasting like alcohol. <laughs> it's important. It's important for people who don't really like alcohol. It is. It's very important. It's, one might say, the most important thing. Yes. Yes. I, over here, mm-hmm. even though I'm not a huge fan of alcohol, here I am drinking my absente absinthe. <laughs> God, I know. I don't like alcohol. Here's my absinthe. <laughs> I'll say that's that's my booze. That's your mm-hmm. booze. I hear you're drinking out a nice Avengers cup. You said an Avengers Infinity War cup, bitch. Infinity War. Is it plastic? Or oh, glass? it's it's plastic and the tackiest that's fucking amazing. thing. I put it on Twitter. You can go look at it. I ain't taggy though. Oh, I want to check this out. I know that people can't see it yet, but well, I'll probably end up linking it. Yes, go on Twitter and check out uh, Ollie's super cool coaster in my... My fancy setup. <laughs> extremely heinous Avengers Oh, cup. it's amazing. It's one of those big ones. It is. It is. I love it's a it. bucket. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, so for those who can't tell, it's just like uh, almost as big as the fucking bottle of... The short handle of rum there. You know what? You're right. It's it is. as tall as the book. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not a small book. This is not like a no. mass market book. This is a big book. Yep, it's a big book. Alright, so I guess I'll take a picture of my cover as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you should. Mm-hmm, because we have different covers. I know we'll get into it, but I was initially disappointed with my cover because you got the shiny one that is done by Cliff Nielsen, question mark? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But I've come to appreciate the the sincere cheesiness of it. It is very 90s sci-fi, and I'm okay with that. Your cover is pretty great. I was looking at that just now, which is why I took a picture of mine and I mm-hmm. replied. That is nice. It is a good cover, though. Yeah, no, and I like your cover, too. I feel like your cover, well, obviously we'll get into this in a second, but I do feel like your cover, to me, more accurately reflects the book. I would agree with that. Yeah, like, my cover helped me hate the first 50 pages of this book no. until somebody helped us. Yeah. <laughs> they did help us. They did. I felt a lot better after. Also, look at that cat on your cover. Oh, yeah, I do have kitty. I was... I, I have spent a kitty on mine, but you can't see it as you much. You do? I don't see it. I'm she, assuming... She's oh, okay, got I see it tucked it against her chest. It's just okay. this little tabby. But yours is like a nice little calico, mm-hmm. and she's real cute. I'm glad like that it. they did get the cat onto yours, though. Yes. I actually, when I started reading the book, so when I started reading... I took a long, hard look at this here cover because I, I know Cliff Nielsen, his mm-hmm. work. You know Cliff Nielsen. I don't Nielsen know Cliff Nielsen. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. I know Cliff Nielsen. We went to college together. <laughs> he succeeded. I work at Domino's. <laughs> and anyway. So I'm like, I know he hides like interesting stuff in his covers that reflect the book. So I'm like, all right, I know there's a cat in this here book, but there's also like some weird ghosty faces floating around. 
And that mm. also came into play. Mm, I guess there kind of are. Are you talking about like the one in the corner? Well, there's, yeah, there's one in the corner, but I obviously I don't have a very good shot of it. But right. I can see three or four other ones very faintly okay. that like after you've read halfway through, you go, oh. I get it. Yes, good job, mm, Cliff yes. <laughs> mm. It turns out you're a good cover designer. Who would have thought? Who knew? That you are, in fact, wonderful. Hmm, strange. Definitely not our favorites. <laughs> Definitely not the only one whose name we know, although I do know one other one, so that's two. Alright, today we are reviewing Alien Secrets by Annette Curtis Klaus, and this is her second book. Mm-hmm. You know what is interesting about our comparative covers is that I feel like yours is more modern. Yeah. Yours is more boxcar children. It is. And they were published, like, mine was done two years after yours. Mm Mm-hmm. But it looks like a 70s or 80s book, almost. It's very strange. I especially like her giant, fluffy 80s hair. I know. Yeah, like, yours, yours is much more like, I'm a kid doing kid things. It is. It is much younger, which is good and accurate. (laughs) Yeah, you... All right, so... Spoiler alert. This book is not actually young adult. Well. For today's audience, it would not be young adult. No, that is correct. I do believe this was young adult for the audience and time period that it was put out, though. Yeah. On the left side of the scale, where the ages (laughs) are younger, as opposed to the right side of the scale, where blood and chocolate and the silver kiss live. Yeah. So we've got, like, hey, I'm almost 13 in Alien Secrets. And we've got... This is a metaphor for sex, and, oh, no, this is actually sex, for Silver Kiss and Blood and Chocolate. <laughs> right, we've got, I am a young child, recently kicked out of school, and I have cute, crushy feelings on this older boy who just treats me like a kid sister in an appropriate way. And mm-hmm. then you have Blood and Chocolate with hard nipples everywhere. Yep. Hardcore monster sex. Like Curtis Klaus is, uh... Running the gamut here. But, I mean, that's really interesting, right? Like, she's obviously a very versatile writer. Because, again, we talked about it a little bit with Silver Kiss versus what we remember of Blood and Chocolate. Puck and her voice and Curtis Klaus's, like, general writing tone is super different from Silver Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. It felt very strange. I had a lot of opinions in those first 50 pages. (laughs) Having just come off of Silver Kiss, which we did last month. Uh, So shall I give a read on this here uh, back copy? Go for it. Alright. Puck, expelled from boarding school on Earth, is on her way to stay with her parents, who are doing alien research on Shun. On board the spaceship, Puck befriends Hush, a native Shua who is also returning home in shame. He was entrusted with the Sioux, a symbol of freedom for his people, and now it has been stolen. Puck believes the Sioux is hidden somewhere on the ship. She and Hush must find it before they reach Shun. But who can be trusted among the sinister passengers and crew? And how will they save their own skins as they hurtle through space on a ship haunted by terrifying ghosts? Alright, admittedly, that's the first time I've read the back copy. Had you gone in uh, unawares as well? Um, so I've read it 
but I didn't retain anything. And I only, like, kind of casually glanced over the back of my copy before I started reading. So, aside from knowing that her name was Puck and that I fucking hated that, that was all I knew about the book. I feel, like, confused that I never read the back copy. I must have at some point, but I definitely never did on this read. I think maybe all I knew about it was, like, some random Goodreads stuff about, like, there's a girl and she's got an alien friend and they're trying to solve a mystery. Boop. <laughs> yeah. I know I've definitely read it because I think we even discussed it in possibly our intro episode. Oh god, wow. Memory that short, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, but it's just gone. It doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> I needed that room for other stuff. Apparently. Like I mean, to be fair, that summary is a little... Like, there's really nothing to kind of stick with you necessarily yeah i feel like they could have leaned in heavier on like puck and hush's shame that there's no emotional hook for these characters Mm -hmm. it is you know space adventures solving mysteries etc etc which yeah and also at the end here have some fucking ghosts it is a very like actiony summary and i guess if that's clearly the book that you're trying to sell then you know i can't see this having been a first book Mm-hmm. I can't see an agent getting that copy and being like, yeah, this sounds great. I feel really connected. I want to read what this story is about. This makes sense as a second book to me in that regard. In that you don't think that this is something that a debut author could sell? Not not to the level that Curtis Klaus had with Silver Kiss. Like, sure, a debut author could have published this book. It's not, it's not bad. Like, you know, that's pretty solid. We've got they're both heading back in shame. Something's been stolen. They're trying to find it. Also, there's ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see that. But it, it it makes sense to me why I've never fucking heard of this book. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate, because I wish I had read it when I was younger. Yeah. While this one has some standard stuff that you end up seeing on a cover, I've got, like, a book list children's editor's choice, a school yep. library journal best book of the year, an ALA noble book, blah, blah, blah. You can definitely see, like, this is, and then and not in, like, a disparaging way, this is a very, like, a uh, kids' action sci-fi book, and that's fine. But you can definitely see where, like, Silver Kiss would kind of stick with you longer with its cancer, cancer book mom. with vampires, etc., yeah, this was like, we're gonna go do a thing, we've got a plot, we have our plot beats, we are not varying from a classic whodunit, mm-hmm. where Silver Kiss last month was very emotional, it asked a lot of hard questions of both protagonists, like, there was a lot going on, it was not as much about the setting and a lot more about the characters where this one felt like it leaned very heavily on the setting and took a while to get to making me care about the characters. Mm -hmm. So I think we should talk a little bit about like we uh, kind of went digging to find like literally any information (laughs) about like this book and and how it was received and any like background about like because I was really curious about why Klaus would go from uh, you know, real heavy, like, cancer mom vampire book mm-hmm. to making her follow-up novel, like, a what we learned was a middle-grade sci-fi adventure. And I found a couple of things, one of them being that she was wanting to write something for a younger, like, her, 
Um, mm-hmm. So in an interview, she said, um, uh, the romance of the alien landscapes on the covers lured me inside again and again while I grappled with the jargon until the day it all fell into glorious place. The only problem with science fiction back then was that there were no girls in the stories. That's the reason why, years later, I wrote Alien Secrets. It was for my 12-year-old self who wanted to be part of the adventure without having to pretend that she was a 30-year-old American male. And as soon as I read that, I was just like, this is precious, and I love it, (laughs) and I want to protect it. Yeah. You and I ended up chatting a little bit right around... So, hello, listeners. Um... I had started the book before Cinna here, and I got about 50 pages in, and I was just, like, rolling my eyes, and I couldn't fucking stand it, and I was like, what the fuck is this book, even? <laughs> and another uh, person on Twitter uh, mentioned, like, they really got into this book. They read it, you know, they found it in a... We found the one living person that we've ever met who's read this fucking book. And I'm so glad. I'm like so so <laughs> glad because nobody has ever told me they've read this book and mm-hmm. to have someone who like we're both like following. So like look, we've got a mutual who knows this book and has such great memories of this mm-hmm. book that hearing, yeah, I found this in in school. It was at one of the book fairs. I was a kid. I really connected with it because the others were very heavily romanced and this doesn't have it. It was more adventure. I saw more of myself in this. And I know on my end that allowed me to go, oh, okay, so we're dealing with more of a mid-grade. I should not be viewing this as a young adult the way I viewed, like, the other two. Mm -hmm. Or the way I would judge a young adult book that I was reading today. Not that they need romance, obviously, but just that right. I was expecting like older characters. Especially yeah. with my my cover. She looks like she's like 16. Yours, she looks like she's like 9 to 12. Then when you and I were looking and found all the smallest a bit of information from the <laughs> author, yeah, reading that, where it's like, no, this is about me and what I want to put out there. This is for the audience that I was that did not exist back then. Here you go. I relaxed so much reading this book. Yeah, it was definitely like a moment of like, okay, that's what this is. I have adjusted my expectation now. Yep, exactly. Exactly. It it helped. So I know my opinion on the first, like, on the opening bit of the book. Uh, I've got a lot of feels on it. Okay. And I don't know if you did either. I I know nothing about what your opinion is on this book. I know. I finished it today and I've read it over like the last two days. So we haven't talked about it. So I, you know, having read all of that interaction on Twitter and learning the background of it before I started reading it, I was in, obviously, like, in a better mindset to kind of appreciate and understand it for for what it was. But even so, it was a real struggle to get through the first page. (laughs) Um, I sat down and I was like, I'm going to read this book. It's sci-fi and I love sci-fi books. And this is cute because it's, you know... This is the author writing a 70s sci-fi for her inner child. And I, blah, blah, blah. And then I sat down to start reading and I was just like, oh, I have to read this. (laughs) (laughs) It can't can't just just, exist and I'm like, cool. Yeah, I can't just appreciate it intellectually. Now I have to start reading this now. Oh shit, Uh this is 200 pages. And that's really short for like a book. But also, I have to sit here and read 200 pages. Yep. The big ass. My copy's 227 pages. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so it was a real struggle to get through that first page. After that, it was a little easier, but 
I have so many things that I could be doing and so many potential distractions that like not putting it down and going to play like fucking Spyro or something was really rough. Aww. Yeah, um, this was not like, what happens? I'm so excited. Well, and I don't have any like nostalgic affection for it to keep me going, you know, to like, ooh, I can't get wait to get to this part where this thing happens that I know about because I've read it right. a billion times. This is a completely new experience and it's it can be harder to just get up the momentum, man. Yeah, and especially not knowing, like, where's it go, how's it go? We have one person's opinion that says, as a young person, they really enjoyed it, and that's it. That's all we got. That's what kept me going. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I think once I got over that first page, the sci-fi trappings all sort of started falling into place, and I like that stuff, so I was more engaged as it progressed. That See, this is also interesting, because... Even though we're both reading it for the first time, you do have a slightly different experience than I did Mm -hmm. from having information I did not. Yes. (laughs) So for me, I'll be the jerk. (laughs) To start off, I kept expecting... So Puck's real, like, legal name... um, Puck is a nickname. Her Mm -hmm. actual name is Robin Goodfellow, which is straight up fucking uh, Midsummer Night's Dream Puck. And Mm -hmm. like... Fuck your parents, man. Yeah, yeah. Your parents are terrible. Terrible parents. So your name is Goodfellow? Tee hee hee. What if we name our child Robin and then nickname them Puck? No, fuck that. You just name your kid Puck. I was 100% not even clear that, like, the family name was Goodfellow. I was just like, is this a sci-fi future where you can just name your kid whatever you want? Which is cool. That'd have been cool, but it's not. Okay, so the family name is Goodfellow then. Yeah, the parents are 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 Goodfellows. I'm I'm pretty sure I picked up on that like at the end when we see the parents real quickly. And they decided to be those people. Yeah, we're just <laughs> like, oh gosh, you know, it's like I knew a kid whose last name was Van Buren, and his fucking parents named him Martin Van Buren, and oh. that's like a fucking president. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You did that? You're not even related. Oh, I like, saw that viral treat tweet. I can speak going around. About this guy named Walker, whose parents named him Luke Sky. And it's just like, oh, you're those people. Okay. That's amazing. Yep. (laughs) But yeah, like, fuck your parents. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's terrible. Oh, God, I hadn't heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Luke Sky is an interesting name. Luke Sky Walker, you're like, oh, fuck. Mm, it, fuck yep. It, fuck Even it. Luke Walker is fine. You, you Walker, throw that yeah. sky in there and Luke you're just Walker. like, oh, I'm sorry. Right? And then you're going to watch the show and you're going to be like, hmm, not cool. So I have to assume that Puck's ever read, you know. I mean, she talks about it. Yeah, she references it. Someone quotes it at her and she's just like, huh huh. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> been dealing with that for 13 years. Thank you. Definitely Super original not. witty. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this for the next 60. <laughs> I really liked the name by the end of it, but I really think that I would have been happier if that was just, like, Puck Goodfellow. Like, it's a kind of reference without being, my name is fucking Robin Goodfellow. So I kept expecting this to just be, like, an alternate Midsummer's Night's Dream in space. Because mm-hmm. that's what it set me up for. Because there's even, like, there's, like, a ten-line bit from a Midsummer's Night's Dream Act 2 scene to right before the whole book starts. So I'm thinking, okay, you're you're doing this on purpose. You're setting me up. I should be thinking about a Midsummer's Night's Dream. 
Man, so I guess here's an interesting question, because a lot of, I remember a lot of YA books in this era, and it's continually starting with poems. Do you fucking mm-hmm. read those things? Because I don't. I do. Not anymore. I do. I'm just like, nope, sorry. I think that they're often bullshit, because I think <laughs> they're just the author referencing, and I know we've got one planned. Mm-hmm. Like, it's usually just the author referencing, like, here's the reason I named this what I did, and kind of, sort of an idea for the theme but probably not really yeah i think it's i honestly think it's just straight meant to like look classy and sophisticated well i read them because i assume that they're there uh, for a reason (laughs) i cannot be fucked that's cool i get to go in all like disappointed you make your preconceptions i i do i'm too lazy for that So I was expecting all kinds of, like, weird adventures and stuff like that, and, like, the Fae, because you know that's my jam. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. But, like, as aliens. I can't imagine you expecting, like, Fae shit in this, and that's 100% not there. I was expecting the aliens to be our metaphorical Fae, you know? Like, I was expecting them to have cool powers, Mm. and to, like... Make people fall in love in weird ways and, like, nope. turn somebody into half a donkey or some half of an alien thing. And, like, we got all these all these passengers and I'm like, well, what's gonna go on? This is gonna be great. There's nothing mm. happening. No, nothing different happens. metaphor. Sorry. I know. So I set myself up for failure on that one. I, so side note, I had seen somebody refer to it as, like, murder on the Orient Express in space. Yeah, so and that is much more what it is. Much more accurate. Yeah. So I was wrong, and maybe I should just write that book. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. I would read that. I mean, I guess. I don't really care for a Midsummer Night's Dream, but you, know, you put it in space. You can sell me you most put it things. In space. It'd be good. Uh, yeah, alright, so space. I was, like, very irritated. Oh, side note. Important yeah. for that book that you're going to read. Alien fucking. Alien fucking? Mm-hmm. That's where? If, if, you're, if you're gonna set it in space, your Midsummer Night's Dream of you were just talking about. Oh, oh, about I thought you were saying, I thought you said to, to read. I was like, wait, oh, what no, book no, am no. I reading? No, yes, yeah. read the book Alien Fucking. No, I'm just saying you Alien have to fucking. include Alien Fucking in your book. It's an important component. Anyway, I'm sorry yes. I interrupted. Continue. It's cool, it's cool. We drinking. <laughs> so, I was really irritated by all the jargon. Uh-huh. All the space jargon. I was like, <laughs> welcome to sci-fi. <laughs> no, and here's the thing. I almost called you by your other nickname. Cinna. <laughs> I love sci-fi. I do. But this whole like miser instead of mister was just driving me up a wall and the whole absolute zero thing. Uh, I'm just like, ah, fuck your memes. That is very 90s. It's very it 90s was. cool, like radical, man. Radical, absolute zero. And absolute like, zero, kids. I am also a kid, fellow kids. Hello, fellow teenagers. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I feel you on the absolute zero thing. That also felt very 90s to me. Um, the Miser and Miz thing I thought was interesting at first because I, you know, I'm fucking over here reading like ancillary justice and shit. I thought, oh, maybe she's trying to do like a gender thing. Mm. That could be interesting. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I mean, sort of like, so she eliminates like Mrs. Right. It's and just Miz it's just and Miz Miser. and Miser, which in, you know, 90s, that's something. I guess. I guess. I guess. I just, there was a lot of stuff that reminds me about, like, space shit, where people make these assumptions 
that like yeah gender sexuality and all that like that it was just gonna be the way it was like i thought these these two old ladies i was like cool we got two old queer ladies let's go <laughs> the gays not the so gays much. are here this is good like i thought that's what we had going on i was like holy shit how did i never hear about this book <laughs> yeah it's a 90s children's adventure book with gays with the gays just sort of randomly in there but i'm glad they weren't <laughs> and we'll get to that oh yeah but yeah man the fucking jargon was driving me up a wall and like i couldn't picture half the shit and there was like so much just like focused on things and then the alien i thought the alien was going to be a kid like her but he seemed like an adult and i know yeah. he's like like a young alien for his I people guess. right but I it's like you're still real fucking like older than her man yeah. i don't even know how old he is it was a little weird it was a little weird for this book to not have any other children in it mm-hmm. it's just puck and everybody that she well, there's, interacts there's with. Michael, and he's probably like 16, 17. Oh, really? I don't know why. I thought he was like an adult. Like oh, 19-ish. No. He, I mean, maybe he was in college. But for me, it felt like he was doing, uh, I, I could be wrong, tech school kind of thing. Where it's like, now that I have decided on my apprenticeship, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to go do school work mm-hmm. here. Because he kept having homework. And he has, like, I know, college, you get a lot, a lot of homework too. But just... He felt like he wasn't too, too much older than her. Okay. I I mean, I guess so my initial impression of him, I don't know why, was that he was like 1920. So that's kind of the vision that I carried throughout. It okay. definitely makes it better if he's a little younger. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's only like four or five years, maybe three or four, three, three to five years older than her, was my thought. But yeah, it is very strange that she goes to befriend this adult man alien. <laughs> yeah, and the, the 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 captain is like, you should go make friends with him. Yes, young child flying by yourself through space. Go make he friends with, with this alien. alien adult. Mm-hmm, do that. If he'd been more of a kid, being like, hey, you're, you're a kid on your own. This is an alien kid on his own. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That would have been much more making of the fence. Especially because the captain frames it in such a way that she's like, oh, you're a kid. Go make friends with this alien because he's not going to be, like, threatened by you because you're not an adult. Where, like, her kidness, her the power imbalance is, like, a bonus. Yeah. Oh, you're just a kid. He won't be threatened by you. Everyone else, he will be. Go ahead. Yeah. Put yourself in potential danger. Yeah, it's, I mean, not that, and, and we get really hardcore here into, like, some aliens as the other racism shit going on. Ew, yeah. Um, where bias against him is framed as like sort of, man, I must be drink because I can't think of <laughs> how you pronounce an analogous. Is that how analogous. you say it? Analogous. Okay, analogous. I think you're right. Thank you. It's <laughs> analogous to to racism, right? Yeah. Well, because he has literally been his his entire race has been enslaved by another race. Yeah. And that is weird where it's like, oh, all the humans, which granted I was very happy about the fact that it wasn't just white humans. Right. Like, all the humans we're just kind of in the middle and we helped you know, free them. This is definitely not, you know, the white men versus the the people of color. No. It's a strange, and I don't I, I have a hard time parsing and we may be getting like too soon into the fucking meat of this book 
But whatever, wherever the booze takes you. I know, right? But I'm having a hard time parsing how much of an allegory the aliens were. Where like part of me just wanted to to let it go. <laughs> I yeah, didn't want to be that... like these are not a direct parallel. I don't want this book to be that hard. But <laughs> I don't think that Annette she's our friend now. Annette. <laughs> I don't think that Annette was trying to go for the metaphor too hard. I think she was just trying to make it a fun story. And it's like, yeah, but you're including slavery, so you never actually get to just walk away from that analogy. You're including slavery. You're including bias against this alien, an assumption of like, so a murder happens Mm -hmm. while they're in space. And the first thing that everybody assumes is that this alien did it. Fucking so they alien did it. arrest him for his protection. Oh, yeah. And the guy who takes him in is, like, looking all sorry and shit. Right. So, like, just this kind of presumption of guilt and kind of judicial system bullshit. Then a part of his backstory is that his people were, like, gassed. And yeah. a bunch of them died on this ship. And that's this how... This particular ship. This particular ship, and that's why there are ghosts involved in this story. So you have, like, the the ghost of, like, the victims of slavery and genocide. And it's just like, man, there was an this is rough. There was asked, though. And like, hmm, yeah, but they still were, guys. So, I mean, that's there. And it definitely draws on them treating this alien in a, like, a racist, racist way which is why the captain encourages puck to go befriend this guy because everybody else treats him like shit like they freak out when he touches them like yeah that's rough and like so on the one hand if he had been a child alien maybe people wouldn't have been so crappy to him mm, i um, guess well because maybe they'd have been like oh he's just a kid <laughs> not disheartening Yeah, so, like, kind of there was this level of them treating him like a threat that a lot of the plot hinged on. A lot of it. Yeah, and if it was a kid and they were like, yeah, no, there's no way this kid did the murder, then some of the plot would be gone. So it's like, on the one hand, super like that Puck is young and, you know, does the stuff and she's got a lot of agency, which I was Mm -hmm. super happy about. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if she was slightly older and then the alien was like, seem to also be an older teenager then it's the this shitty metaphor that i don't know if it's an important shitty metaphor but like it's an important reality that sucks mm-hmm. where people who are seen as a threat when they're boys or teenagers and not children mm-hmm. they get like treated like an adult and that could have been part of it and then it would have been like oh my god this book is so hard but in a way <laughs> that was like emotional as opposed to like having the distance between the two of them. So, like, I don't know. I don't know if there's a good way for it to have been changed. Because, like, here it is, a teenage... A young teenager, not even... She's not even a teenager. She's 12. Here's a 12-year-old making friends with, like, basically an adult alien, but... <laughs> adult man. <laughs> an adult man. Like, he's he's the equivalent of, like, a 20-something human. Uh, so, okay, that's what that is. Well, what if we change it? What if he's now a kid? Well, now, like... Sure, a lot of a lot of uh, people get blamed as kids for doing shit and treated like adults, but 
I don't think that the plot would have actually gone that way. Okay, what if we age both of them to around, you know, older teenager? Okay, wow, now we're dealing with some real heavy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, there's definitely, like, the element of Puck being younger is, is you know, the point. Like, this is a, a book for younger kids. She's supposed to be, like, the precocious kid. That's That's how Puck gets away with a lot of stuff, by being a precocious kid. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's weird that there aren't any other kids in this. It's weird that Puck is made to go befriend an adult man. It's like, and I mean, not that, like, the alien ever does anything inappropriate or that it's framed no, in no, any sort Puck. of inappropriate way. No, it's very sweet. But it's just, like, on the face of it, the premise of it, it's just, like, why are you making this kid do this, Captain? Like, she says she would do it anyway because she's super curious about aliens, but, like, it's just weird. It was very strange. So in the beginning, she's been told to do this thing. When she talks to him, he didn't speak English the way everybody else spoke English. That was very othering. I didn't like it. Because, like, he's been around humans for how long? At least I don't know. 13 years? I wasn't super clear on the level of exchange there. He specifically mentioned that some of his people were really good at learning languages. So... It felt strange to me to be like, oh, we're going to other this character in his speech pattern, like, strongly. Not just a little bit. Not like, oh, he does this thing cogn uh, cognition-wise on a word, uh, you know, phrasing, whatever, puts them in a different way. Like, it was not just, like, one little thing. It was, like, a lot of stuff. Like, anytime I was reading, if I, like, lost my place, I could find where he was speaking. <laughs> yeah, he did speak a little bit like... He ran his sentence through Google Translate first. He had a fucking babblefish. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's definitely othering. And, like, the sentences are very deliberately constructed. Because you can see, like, the the words that are kind of switched around in a way that yeah. somebody who's not native to that language would switch them around. Like, in that respect, you know, it was very carefully constructed. But also, like, yeah. You didn't have to make that choice. No, and it, it definitely contributed to his characterization in terms of making him very... Uh, I don't even know how to put it. He just didn't really seem like he could fend for himself that well. I guess yeah. it infantilized him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that is a word that I had not quite attached to him. But mm -hmm. yeah, like, he's very often the damsel in distress. And he's clearly very capable. Like, he's got a lot of skills, but he's just sad the whole time. And I mean, I guess, you know, it's a fair cop, right? Because, like, a lot of the stuff that he can't do, he can't do because people are already suspicious of him. Yeah. Like, this is, this is the world you live in. Okay. So, yeah. First 50 pages were very rough for me. I had, like, no care of any of the characters. Everything felt really forced and fake. And, oh, I also hated all the characterization on the older ladies, where there was still... Remember last time I talked about how, like, there's a lot of internalized misogyny in Silver Kiss? It was still there, too, in Alien Secrets, where, like, the older ladies, a lot of the phrasings and words used for the both of them, because, like, one was tall and very skinny, one was short and very fat, and, like... There were just so many words used and the descriptions that just felt kind of gross. Like, I know Puck is a 12-year-old kid, mm -hmm. 
but even at 12 years old, we could already see how she was judging other women harder than she was judging other men. I think that there was definitely, and I, I was about to say I definitely caught, you don't really need to catch it, like there's a lot of just straight up mm. fat phobia here, just yeah. in in the way that you Miss see Blood a lot. The, the heavy woman, and she's just constantly railed on. Oh yeah, it's just in the way that like, it's a trope, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this fat person is the villain and their fatness is an evidence of their, you know, bad moral construct. We're like, oh, you're fat and you talk weird and your face looks weird and you you wear bad perfume. Yeah, where it's just something to contribute to making this character repulsive. Um, because, you know, you're supposed to be repulsed by the villain, so what's repulsive? Being fat. Okay, well, this person's fat. Um, where, like, all of the evil aliens are also squat and fat. And, like, the first time that you see Ms. Florit, it, it was pretty harsh. Like, she's wearing some sort yeah. of tracksuit and, like... They all had, just... like, just weird suits. Like, no one had their own style mm-hmm. in the future. And Puck describes it as uh, when she walks, like, it grotesquely, like, displays her fat rolls or whatever. when she was leaving, oh, that line. See, and that was part of what made it really hard to get through anything. Because it's like, if you know the story, so hi, listeners, um, Ms. Florid is in fact one of the Grack, which is the aliens that had been enslaving the, the other species that Hush is, the Shua. Um, but she's disguised as a human. But, like, in the beginning, you don't know that. And she's just described super meanly. And it's just like, fuck you, Puck. <laughs> They're definitely calling to mind, like, a very specific image in reference to this character. It's like the, you see it a lot in, like, 80s uh, family movies, too. Like, this, the overbearing, like, fat aunt who aunt, yeah, has, yeah, yeah. Like, just bad like, taste. And, and give your aunt a kiss. And then yeah. like, you do, like, a zoom in on her, like, lips yes. all puckered. And you're supposed to be like, ew, gross. 100%. It was 100% all meant to call up that sort of character. Yeah, and it was like, oh, I don't like that at all. I just, I didn't like Puck in the beginning here, where she was, like, super judgmental of everyone. And especially of, like, fat people and old people. Or I'm like, oh, come on. So it was like, all right, later she's a villain, and now that actually just makes it worse. Like, I kept I kept kind of hoping, um, all right, so the passengers. There's, like, there's Puck and the alien, mm-hmm. and then there's these two older ladies who one is, like, all we know is that she's a short, fat lady who wears too much perfume, and then an older, uh, they're both older, uh, a tall, skinny lady who we find out shortly was a, like, a monster movie actress. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're fucking awesome. Yes, an interesting thing to throw in there that doesn't seem to be relevant, but then becomes plot relevant, so... It does! I was surprised. Mm -hmm. And that she, like, gambles and has lots of, like, gambling problems. And which also, let's go with Sin! Oh no, the gambler! (laughs) And then there was a young couple that, um, was married. I... Were they Indian? I don't think they specify. I know, so, something we should mention, this is Annette Curtis Class's only book thus far with people who are not white in it. Yeah. The entire crew is, like, multiracial, right? So, like, Yeah, they're... like, Michael is a, is a young man of color. The captain was, I feel like she was Middle Eastern or 
Oh, I thought she was the a black woman. The way they described her, they definitely, definitely her skin was described as a shade of brown, mm-hmm. and that she had, like, dark hair and dark eyes. They're one of the characters' last name was, like, Perez, I think. Yep, yep, one of the, just, like, a random character, too. Just, like, hey, Perez, do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, just real casual inclusion. Right, so it's, like, a clear, clear effort made here, which is kind of an interesting thing, because, I mean, it's been a while since I've read Blood and Chocolate, but in this way that she does in this book, I don't remember there being any specifically non-white people in it. I don't know either. I think it was all just white people in that one, too. Which kind of says something sad about the fact that, like, those two books made it big. Well, and it's interesting to me that, like, in her her future, sci-fi future book, you know, Black Captain of the Ship, the boy that she has a crush on, his last name is Say, it's a, the Star trek future. The future is diverse. The present is all white. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so there's this other couple where I think at least the, the woman was a woman of color, if not both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the two old ladies were, uh, I think, white. Yeah. Which, like, ultimately, since they turn out to be villains, I appreciate. And it's for the best. <laughs> uh, and also for the best that they were not, you know, queer ladies yeah. coming together. I'm like, alright, you know, I really wanted old queer ladies, but you're villains, so we're okay. And then there was, yeah, like you said, there's, like, the captain, and I think the other white dude was, like, the navigator, uh, and then, like, a second mate who was a white dude, maybe. At least he, he was never described differently, which we still run into the problem of anyone who is white doesn't get that kind of a description. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like, ew, their skin was so pale and pasty, but... There's, so there's them, there's also the one guy who Puck assumes is a bad guy, and then the end turns out to be an oh, undercover yeah, cop. Cubic. Cubic, I loved yeah. that. I just didn't know where they were going with it. He just seemed like such a sleazy, like, <laughs> dude who, like, he seemed like he would be in The Mummy trying to, like, defeat Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, it makes me want to reread it just to watch his arc and, and Lisa's. So the couple, Lisa was the one we really got to know, and she was, like, a news reporter. And she saw the cop and was like, what's up? You're here. Hello. Something's cool's gotta be going on. What's the scoop? Yeah, a lot of that stuff was a surprise to me, because, like, you go through a lot of the book, and you know that, like, sinister things are going on, because the very, the prologue of the book is Puck witnessing some dude being beat up real bad, uh, that she later hears was murdered, I think, I don't remember quite she, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she hears that there was a murder on the station, and they, like, found a body, like, shoved into, like, a clothing vent or something yeah so she sees this guy take this other guy down and she thinks he murdered him and then you know she goes to board her ship the next day and that guy's on the ship oh my gosh so you know enough to know that like there are plots going on there are multiple shady under things going on to where to the point where i was like Okay, I catch, I'm catching some of this. Like, I know that eventually... Like, who isn't a bad guy? <laughs> right? Like, uh, maybe the captain is in on it, maybe she not. she's not. Like, some of that stuff I didn't bother trying to track because there was so much going on. Yeah. I'm like, it'll come. I didn't even, I was falling asleep last night after I'd read it. And I was like, Sin's gonna be like, oh yeah, I caught on to this early on. And I'm gonna be like, I was just reading the book. I wasn't trying to figure out the plot. I was just like, everybody's a bad guy. (laughs) Right. Like, I gave up trying to track that kind of thing. The only thing that I caught on to was that the lady was gonna end up being an alien. And that was it. 
I was just like, well, the rest of the stuff will just sort itself what made you, out. What made you realize that? God, what was it? Uh, they talked about the smell, I think. Oh, no, it was the cat. It was the fact that oh, she didn't the like cat the cat. Her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she was in the room, like, right before the reveal, the cat was like, fuck your face. Oh, yeah, also, there's cats. There's two cats. There's, um... Yeah, there's ship cats. Harriman, I think. And I kept calling it Pod Kanye, even though it's not. It was, like, Pod Kanye. But for me, it was Pod Kanye, and I'm like, uh, but no, like, the very first time that they go to get on the ship, the older lady doesn't like the cat, and then later on when Hush is telling her about the Grack, he mentions that they don't like, uh, small animals. Oh, oh, I hadn't picked up on that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, that's what that is. Yeah, he was, like, telling Puck the story about his ancestors. Like, maybe only, like, I think they were only enslaved for, only enslaved, for, like, two generations or something. Something like that. Yeah, where, like, his grandfather or granduncle had come over and, like, he used to, like, take care of little tiny animals. But the Grack were just like, fuck your animal. Yeah, they didn't like them because of some plague. They, they'd been plague carriers, so they were weary of animals like that. And I was like, oh, that's the kind of detail where, like, you don't share it unless it's meant to be a hint. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I think, like, when everything was revealed, and, like, also, that's pretty cool, um, but when everything was revealed, it all made sense. Nothing was like, how the fuck you figure that? Oh, no, it was very well-seated. All of the logic that kind of drove Puck and drove the story, it was all really well laid out, which, you know, yeah. given... Like, I believed everything that she ran into was how she thought of it, you know, and then it, nothing contradicted. Yeah, and you, you know, you have to go to some lengths sometimes to justify why, like, a child is involved, stuff like that, where here it made sense within the context of what was going on. she kept also being the one to be like... I can help, you know, I can do this. I've, like, got literally nothing else to do. <laughs> Something specifically that, like, made me write down that note was she was going through the vents, like, the exoskeleton of the, the ship, where the, oh, yeah, they yeah. seated well because that's the reason that the cats are there. She sees the cats, like, go in and out of these vents, and that's what lets her know that, oh, there's, like, a secret entrance here. That's interesting. And that's how she finds the... The suit. The suit. Uh, that's how she finds, like, the, the MacGuffin. That's part yeah. of what lets her take the other characters by surprise. So it's like, okay, so you have the cats yeah. in here to show us that. It's all very well constructed. And, like, the exoskeleton. So there's, like, yeah, there's, like, an inner core and then, like, the outer core. But then there's, like, maintenance spaces basically mm -hmm. yeah and she like uses that also like in the climax as well to kind of like get the drop on uh on ms Florit. The, the author did a good job in bringing back all the little things like it was mm -hmm. very very well done um so i'd mentioned the first 50 pages were rough and then the twitter conversations but then also <laughs> right around page 59 we finally had puck and hush sit down and talk Mm -hmm. Where Hush, like, finally gave me things to latch on to, where it was like, oh, this is why you're sad. You've lost this important relic of your people that mm -hmm. is supposed to be brought back to your home planet, which is where the both of them are headed. You know, you're supposed to bring this back, and oh no, you lost it. Someone stole it from you, and you're very sad. And, like, getting, like, that history of the, the great uncle or the great the grandfather or whatever. I started to finally be like, oh, look at that. We finally got some character connection. And all that. Like, once everything <laughs> became personal and stopped just being like set up i was much more interested because it took me like a week to read the first 50 pages <laughs> 
And then I think I read the last 175, 150 or so in like three days, which granted is not like terrible, but like I think I last night before I went to bed read like 100 pages or something. And then it was good. Like it was getting, I was like, oh, I can just read a little more. I can just read a little more. So yeah, once, once it stopped being set up, it was pretty quick. I, so I read it over the course of three days and I kind of mapped it out after that second day. I was like, okay, what's a, what's two thirds of this book? That's how far I need to get tonight. Mm. Where I was enjoying it as I was reading it. I wasn't super sucked in, um, until like there were certain parts where I was like, oh, this is a cool part, but it was definitely something that I could kind of easily (laughs) just sit down (laughs) and go do other things. Um, but like in a way that as I was reading it, I was just like, you know, I like this. <laughs> I was thinking like, yeah. what, are, what are we going to talk about when we talk about this book? I'm like, I don't know how much I'm going to have to say aside from like, I just really like this. This is the kind of book that I enjoy. I like the sci-fi trappings. I think that it's like we've, we've been talking about, it's well-constructed. Puck is not excessively precocious in an obnoxious way. Yeah, she feels like she's on the edge of teenagehood, and that is really interesting. Yeah, she's pretty solid for, like, for an adult going back to read a book meant for, like, children. Yeah, yeah, because, like, in the beginning, beginning, it's like, oh, what grade are you in, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, hey, seventh. And I'm like, oh, are you going to be defending yourself, like, this whole fucking book? <laughs> but she wasn't. Like, she did a good job. I stopped hating the name Puck. For her. Uh-huh. I still think that her name should have just been Puck Goodfellow. Like, fuck your parents. But I liked her. Yeah. It's just a weird detail. Mm-hmm. Um, something that happened early on that kind of helped me get more invested in it. So part of the plot hinges around people hearing ghosts on the ship. Oh, yeah, we haven't talked about the ghosts. No, we should probably explain just generally, like, a rough... What the plot? Yeah, we've been talking for, like, an hour. I haven't explained what happened. This is so hard with books, man. <laughs> um, so basically, it's just Puck gets on the ship. She meets this alien. This alien tells her that a very important spiritual relic was stolen from him that he's been tasked to bring back to his home planet. He's like the first of his people who've been enslaved to go, to go back to this home planet. So it's a big yeah. deal. And it's not that the it's not that the whole planet hasn't like had other people go back. It's just like his specific people. Like I think it was like children of the Asha of the North or something. Mm-hmm. So he's going back to this planet. He's supposed to bring the super important relic back. It's stolen from him because of racism. Yeah. Because uh, racism. Yeah, like he has a hard time going through airport security. It's that kind of racism. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, exactly. They're kind of like, what's this thing? They were real mean about it, the guy who was there. Where he's like, what's this? And he's like, no, please, that's a, that's an important thing. The guy like has it and then he like fucking freaks out as well he should. Yeah, well it's a very specific kind of like, oh, this looks too expensive for you to have. Like, Yeah, this is contraband. You stole this. This is clearly a... You know, something the government should know about. And then he starts, like, keening and crying. And it makes a big scene. And, like, I feel bad for him. But, like, other people see it who are jackasses. Yeah, so it gets stolen from him. He goes to Puck. He's He's been, like, looking for it on the ship. Because he has this sort of device that helps him find it. Yeah, because they were smart and put a fucking chip on it. <laughs> yeah. He enlists Puck's help. 
Puck eventually finds it because of the cats and the maintenance shafts. I love them cats. There's like three or four different factions trying to get this thing back. Were there? I think there were only the two. I felt like there were more than that because there was Cubic, there was the Smugglers, and there was the Grack. I don't know if Cubic, the cop, was trying to do that. Or if he was after the other treasure. He might have been trying to do it, but the book makes it feel like he is after this yeah. thing. Like yeah, he's the, a the book made it feel like there were like four different factions. But ultimately it was like only Miss Vlort the Grack and Hush the Suan actually were fighting for this one statue. Where like another crew was doing like a sting operation. Yeah, there was a sting operation going on in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which we thought was part of the whole thing. And, like, that was great. Like, mm-hmm. that was such a good misdirection on it. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, no, there is alien stuff that's been stolen. It's just that, like, it's all a setup for the cop. Yeah, and they do. It's very, like, who can you trust? Maybe the captain's in on it. Maybe the six-year-old boy that Puck has, like, a crush on. Maybe he's in on it. I know, I had the moments where I'm like, I don't know, please don't be bad, Michael. <laughs> and I do like that even though Puck had this very obvious crush on this kid, that didn't stop her from being like, I don't know if we can trust him. I just met the yeah. dude, he might be in on it, I don't know. And then I liked that Hush was the one who was like, why would Cubic trust this This student? kid. <laughs> yeah, like that he was the voice of reason on that, being like, he's a student, he's going back to school in a couple of months, do you think he would trust them? And then he wasn't like gaslighting Puck, because there was a lot of gaslighting. In there was, that was something that, but anyway, finishing the summary, <laughs> yeah. they kind of play hot potato with the relic for a while, where it's kind of dangerous to have, and things happen. Uh, eventually the ship goes into lockdown because they find somebody murdered and then the climax is just sort of trying to navigate these people who are after this relic uh, while also keeping the ship from exploding because it turns out that Ms. Miss Florent. Miss Florent is an evil alien who wants Hush's relic so that she so can she sell it back yeah, to the planet and, and make her way back into her people's army she was a general Yeah, and it turns out that this specific ship was one of the first ships to take Hush's people into slavery, and that a fucking entire chamber of the first people who were taken off of that planet were gassed and are ghosts in this ship. Yeah, and that was, like, by accident that, like, some chemical leak, like, instead of leaking into space, it leaked into a specific hold or something. Mm -hmm. A whole, like, chamber of them died, but, like, other chambers of them did not. So it's just this, like, accident, but also now they're ghosts. Right, but they haunt the ship and they become plot relevant in that they make weird sounds that people hear and they're attracted to this device. And I I appreciated that Puck got to this point immediately because they're like, oh, we don't want to leave these ghosts on the ship. We need to, like, release them from their suffering kind of deal. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you're going to use the relic to eventually lead them off the ship because it symbolizes freedom. Like, And Puck immediately is just like, we should use the relic. And I was like, yes, thank you for making that connection immediately. Yeah, there was no, how do we get the ghosts off the ship? Like, that was the plan. And it becomes a complication because the ghosts are attracted to the thing that they give away the thing's location. Yeah, the couple people who actually are hanging out and understanding it. Yeah, so the Grack eventually gets the thing and they have to fight her and they rescue the device. And then in the very end, they get the ghosts off of the ship. They reunite Robin with her parents and Hush with the people that were left on the planet. And that's so that's the plot. Yeah, and it was really cute at the end, too, where, like, 
he was all like, oh, I lost it for a little while. And, like, the, the leader of his, basically, like, his grandmother yeah, was like, hey, kiddo, it was just a statue. <laughs> like, yeah. It's great that you brought it home. That's very good. It's a symbol. It's an idea. But, like, you are more important because you're a living human. Or you're a living Shua being. Like. <laughs> and was he was all, like, sweet. sad. And I'm just like, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> they love him. Yeah, and it's a sweet, like, coda, right? Because they spent so much yeah. time chasing this MacGuffin. Because have... he thinks he can't go back because he's like, oh, I'm in shame. Yeah, he talks about shame a lot. Him and Puck yeah. have this whole, like, thematic thing where they're shame. both returning to the planet in shame because they fucked up. Right, because so, so Puck got kicked out because basically she was real bad at school. And I think, honestly, she's got fucking ADHD. Because <laughs> she's just like, I can't focus on school. And also, people are mean to me, so mm-hmm. screw them. Yeah, so she, has and she gets out kicked out for bad grades. Yeah. And then Hush is like, I can't go home without this thing. They'll hate me. It's kind of a sub subplot you would when you say stuff like she spends the whole book thinking that she's going to go back and her parents are going to hate her because they're smart scientists and she got kicked out of school for bad grades. Yeah. You would think that that's kind of a bigger thing cuz it sounds like a bigger thing, but it's kind of just in the it's background. Not. Yeah, that's more like the thing that she's ignoring thinking about, but like she never thinks about that. I'm going to keep focusing on Hush's shame mm-hmm. so that I don't have to think about my own shame. Where I feel like if Annette Curtis Klaus had written this for young adults, like we had seen with The Silver Kiss, there would have been a lot more awareness of using Hush's problems to ignore her own. Because, mm-hmm. like, clearly that's what she was doing. Yeah, and you would have had more of a resolution. Because at the end, uh, she returns with Hush, and it's kind of a ceremony deal. So, like, as soon as it's over, the parents run to her. And so you get, like, this indication that, oh, no, of course they don't hate you. You know, they love yeah. you. They're happy to see you. Well, at the end, at the end, it was saying how, like, hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Am I here? recording again welcome back thank you all right back listen chill that was our pee break <laughs> i'm gonna make the awesome decision of drinking more absinthe oh i'm really excited for this podcast let me just tell you because i'm probably gonna drink absinthe several times yeah but like i should definitely decide which ones to be mad about because like right now i just want to be like Oh, no, Puck, you're a good girl. You did a good job. Like, you <laughs> solved all the things. And, like, Hush goes home and he's sad. And they're like, fuck you, kid. Like, we love you. Get over here. Give me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I think I would have so much more fun drinking absinthe and being like, this book was terrible. <laughs> We'll see how the next couple go. Okay, but there was something that I wanted to mention. Tell me. I even made a note of it in my phone that I almost just dropped. No. Like, one of the first things when I was reading this book that made me like, you know what, book, you're cool. I like you. Was when, and I'm pretty sure this is like the entire reason that I decided to recap the plot so that I could explain this and it wouldn't be super confusing, was that... The lady journalist hears Lisa the Sigmund. ghost sounds. Yes. yes. 
she hears the ghost also. They're married, I think, and she didn't take her husband's name, so that's cool. She's a journalist. She's got, like, a career. Personal branding. It's really hard to swap. Anyway, so, like, she screams, and this book ends, like, a lot of R.L. Stein books where, like, something dramatic happens, and then the next page is just like, oh, it was just, like, a normal thing. Oh, it was nothing. I just stubbed my toe. <laughs> but, so, like, she screams, and Puck goes to investigate. There are, like, two dudes there, and I even remember which dudes they were. One of them's her husband, boyfriend, whatever. And I they're like, he's she's so not important. Oh, he was so less important than I thought he was going to be. She Me was, too. like, the thing. I was very happy. Yes. And she's like, I heard something. It freaked me out. And I felt something go through me. And it was, like, being stabbed. And she's, like, really freaked out. And Puck's like, oh, shit, I heard that same thing. That's weird. But she's, like, just watching, right? And yeah. then and the guys are just like, oh, no. It's Guess probably like nothing. Gaslight. You probably freaked yourself out. You're a woman. You have womanly emotions. You probably <laughs> just scared yourself. And Puck comes out. And she's just like, uh, no. Uh, no I heard assholes. it, too. Yeah. And she, she like, talks about how she can kind of see the lady talking herself into believing them. Mm-hmm. And Puck just comes out and she's like, no, you heard and felt and saw what you did. Don't let these dicks try to convince you otherwise. Right? Puck is so good. She's like, hey, you're an adult and you've learned that gaslighting is okay. And I'm going to tell you it's yes. not. I just love that because I was like, oh, look at these dudes lighting this woman up. Like, that's... Yeah. Great. And then Puck comes out and she's like, no, no, no gaslighting in this book. And I was like, you know what, Puck, you're cool. I like you. And it sucks because otherwise without Puck, she would have been like, you're right, maybe I've just had a long day. I mean, she, yeah, she specifically was, like, going in that direction. Thing that does suck is that later on, the ghost thing comes up again. It's a very similar situation and Puck and does gaslighter like, to protect yeah. the shoe. And and I was like, like no, what are you Puck. talking about? Did I hear that? I don't remember. I'm just 12. <laughs> I'm just a child. And I was like, no, Puck, don't. This is how we bonded. Right? Like, you didn't know. But you couldn't know. You couldn't know who was okay and who was terrible and who was trying to fight shit. Yeah, she's trying to protect her shoe. I get it. So, that's kind of it for the notes I have. Except that I did want to say I really liked the hyperspace stuff and the subplot with the hyperspace navigator. Owen. Owen Star. Yeah. Owen something. Owen Star. He was sweet. Two R's. He's a sweet dude. Me too. I liked him. And how Michael was like, yeah, but everybody thinks hyperspace navigators are like, you know. Are crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't want to use Nobel's term, but also I'm going to use it. <laughs> I think, again, that was like kind of a background thing of Puck figuring out that she can see, because not everybody can see to navigate hyperspace. Yeah, I loved that. Yes, it was a really cool, like, last-minute personal capstone to Puck's arc that I really mm-hmm. liked. Because she was like, what the fuck do I even do with my life? I'm a, I'm a terrible dropout. My parents are super smart, and I'm not. Yeah, like, that was her whole personal angsty thing. And I think that, again, if it were, like, a novel for older kids, it would have been reversed, where, like, she would have spent a lot of time thinking about what a failure she was and how she was stupid and couldn't do anything right and had a directionless life. And then at the last minute, she, like, finds out that, oh, no, I have a marketable skill here. (laughs) 
I can see hyperspace. I loved the way hyperspace was, too. How yeah. It was like I thought that was really cool. Feelings and tastes and smells and visuals. And different for everybody. Yeah. And then Owen was like, she smells my cats. With the whole, like, I see this thing. She was like, I see that, too. And Michael was like, I see something different. Owen was just real sweet. Yeah, that whole, like, last couple pages set piece of them all simultaneously navigating hyperspace together. Right, because they needed all three each other. Yeah, and it was, like, a nice moment of teamwork. Like, the whole climax was super, like, we were talking to Sandstone on Twitter, and they were talking about how it was more focused on friendship than a romantic relationship, Mm -hmm. and you really feel that with the climax here, where, like, one group of people gets together to do this, one group of people gets together to take care of this other thing. And one of the groups had Hush, the alien, with them, and, like, he was just doing his thing, and he was doing a great job, and they were treating him like an equal. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a lot lot of teamwork stuff here that I really appreciated, and that was really nice to see. I agree. I liked this book. I had opinions on the gaslighting and on the fat shaming and mm-hmm. on, oh gosh, super 90s treating aliens like fill-in for people of color. But it was interesting to have actually people, humans of color, as well. So I would recommend this book. To teenagers and middle middle graders. Yeah, I definitely think it's one that you get the most out of by being younger reading it. Yeah. Not to say that it wasn't enjoyable. Seeing yourself kind of represented. Yeah, but I think it's definitely meant for kids. Definitely something that kids should read. It's a good book. It's very cute. Lots of agency and girls doing stuff. White girls doing stuff. Yeah. I couldn't believe, like, constantly she was using it. Like, there's one point where she's, like, locked in her room, and I'm like, fuck, why? Why don't you still have fucking agency? Yeah. And I'm like, good job, book. It's good. It's, like, it's well-crafted, too. Yeah. So, so when I started reading the book, last thing I wanted to mention was that it felt so phoned in in the beginning, because everything mm-hmm. was just normal setup, and... It felt like, hey, Annette Curtis Klaus, make a second book for us. Okie dokie, here you go. As opposed to The Silver Kiss. But it ended up just being like a fun book, and that's okay. Don't go in expecting Silver Kiss and Black black Chocolate? Blood and Chocolate. Don't go in expecting Blood and Chocolate. (laughs) But like, give it a chance. It was cute. If that's your thing. Yeah, if you like sci-fi stuff, it's cute. It's not terrible. And I really liked the ending where it was just kind of like, you're enough. Well, it's kind of like, wait, hold on. If, mm-hmm. I can figure, if I can figure out how to flip pages with this much absence in my system. Good luck. All right, let's see. There was a line that was very cute. Go, Hush said, and gave her a gentle push. Having you safe at home is the important thing. And that line was just super cute because it was both of them. Like, she said it to him and then he said it to her. And it was just like, wah. Also, listeners, the ghost got home safe. Yes. They returned the ghosts. And it was literally pretty. Like, it was described as being a pretty thing. Yeah, it was like a silk road of ghosts. And they, like, were happy and home and free. And then they were able to, like, go up into the sky. When she says silk road, she doesn't mean, like, the silk road. She means, like, it it was described as, like, a bolt of cloth unfurling from this... Mm -hmm. That's like, no, it's not like a Silk Road, I promise. Sorry, wrong wrong phrasing on my part. Yep. So, I understand why this one 
was not really known among Annette Curtis Class fans who were expecting Silver Kiss and Blood and Chocolate. But I it is an outlier is, for sure. Yeah, I think that's a disservice to it. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's not a bad second book. It's different. We're gonna get into authors who don't do different, and I really want to stress like how versatile that's the word I was looking for how versatile of a writer Klaus is where she can pull the shit off and it doesn't sound like the same character over and over again yeah this is Puck is not Zoe or Vivian not at all and and obviously Vivian is not Zoe and we'll chat about that when we get to that one next time so next time we're gonna chat about blood and chocolate which yeah. most people have uh, heard us chat about before, I'm sure. But we're going to be drunk when we talk about it this time. Yeah. It has issues, but it has high points, yeah. too. So, you know, I mean, I'm going to look forward to it. Well, I'm Ollie, and you can find me on Twitter at Olivia Hennis, H-E-N-N-I-S. My name's Sina. And you can find me on Twitter at Endless underscore Run. And you can find us on Twitter for uh, the podcast at Backlist Podcast. And also, I'm going to double check and you're going to say it instead. No, you know what? You say the Patreon. Okay. It's not Patreon. This is Um. why you say it. (laughs) You can find us on Patreon.com slash Backlist and Chill. Yep. That's us right there. Okay. And we should mention our theme music is by Josh Woodward. It's called Let It In. It's super good. And I also feel like we should shout out, and we didn't, our friend Catherine on Twitter at C Slavlova is the one who came up with our podcast title, which is kind of informed a lot about the podcast. And I feel like we should just acknowledge that. Absolutely. Catherine. We love you, Catherine. You're so good. But yeah, join us. <laughs> yes. Over on Patreon. Yeah, we should mention being a patron is the only way that you're going to get, like, an RSS feed, because apparently Patreon doesn't do public RSS feeds. Whoops. Whoopsies. So, you can listen to the posts on Patreon.com without being a patron, but the only way you're going to get it in your podcatcher until we, like, sign up with a podcasting service, which may or may not happen. Who knows? Well, this was super fun. We are halfway through Annette Curtis Klaus, and next time we'll we'll talk about Blood and Chocolate, and after that it'll be Freaks Alive, and I'm expecting that one to be terrible, so I guess I'll drink absinthe for that one. Alright, Sina, I love you, and I hope that our, everybody's had a great time. And thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye, friends. So like Jordy, you're you're off bathroom and thing. Alright, I'm gonna eat some what's this? Goldfish. I wonder if we're gonna read every book. And then be like get drunk. And be like, no, I love this book. This book is great. My characters and I love them and they're precious. I'll protect them, I'll fight you. <laughs> I hope these goldfish soak up the absinthe.